0: right in front of me and I can honestly tell him that I'm going to knock him spark out leaping right hand by the prince and off hard left
1: So you're very welcome, along to off the ball and off the ball. I'm Ronan Mullen, joined again by former middleweight champion of the world, Andy Lee. Andy, how are you? Very good. Good. We had our road trip there at the weekend. We the- did, yeah. Do it. off the ball went on the road. We should have took some
2: content for the show, shouldn't we? Should stream from the dupe. <laughs> <laughs> we were off to Belfast for the Camden fight, which turned out to be one a great show. Like I enjoyed every fight. There wasn't really a bad fight on the whole show, wasn't it? Even from like the first guy getting knocked out, yeah. Like or, or surprised. What was his name? Do you it? Yeah. Got From the Yeah. On the gecko. Knocked out by a gentleman. I actually missed it because I was giving an interview to somebody. Turned around and I heard it. I heard it's the referee counting and I thought, oh, that's he's after knocking his opponent out. And then it was the reverse. So, No, throughout the card, you think about Sean McComb. Great performance. beat a really. Good really turned
1: up in the ring. Like, there was lots of yeah, good wins.
2: Yeah, put up a, like a. Like, that guy, Reynald Garrido, he loses generally, but. A lot of times on the end of bad decisions, but if he does lose, he doesn't lose that. um, I guess how would you say that? Convincingly, no, he was beaten inside and outside, and Macomb shows why he's been speaking like shows why he's been regarded so highly within the game. So he's he's probably one of the best. He probably is the best prospect in Ireland at this moment, like at that stage where yeah, he's so slick
1: and. He can
2: punch a bit as well. Yeah, he, he put like he was never. You're never going to stop that guy because he t- he's just a tough, tough man, Gourido. Great,
1: great character. Great, great character.
2: Entrance. He walked out to like uh, Toy Story. Toy Story yeah, and a Buzz Buzz T-shirt on. And, uh, that's, and it, ask. That, that's he has two young boys. You know that. And I think he was have done for them. When he fought McKenna um, a couple of years ago, we were my daughter was just born and after the fights we were in the hotel and he was like you know he just came over you was so affectionate towards my daughter and i just met you know he knew who i was we were just chatting and then i bumped into him in the crowd and oh how's your daughter straight away you know and i was telling saying hey how are your boys and that so yeah lovely lovely fella i'm sure he'll be back because he puts up a good show every time doesn't he
1: yeah and we've a very, it's a very special edition of Off The Brawl because we've got uh, Joe Ward who just turned pro this week and, and he's former promoter, Lou DiBella. But we should just get into this Belfast show before mm. we get to the two lads. Um, we we travelled up with Paddy Donovan and he was doing all his networking at the show uh, and <laughs> talking to Bob Arum. Was that the first time they met? Yeah, it was the first time they met. Um, what did he say to him?
2: Oh, he, he, Bob said, uh Oh, you're the best-looking fighter I've seen since Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Uh, he said, I hope you can fight. <laughs> and then we did a bit with uh, Bob Aram on BT Sports, and um, we had a little word. He said, what's this kid like? Thank you for bringing him up. He said, what's he like? I said, he's he's exceptional. like." And uh, Yeah, Paddy, Paddy did well, didn't he? You have to admit, like, he kinda, people are drawn to him for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. I think there were people who didn't even know who he was, and they, they were taking photographs
1: with him, so... Uh, and it was actually, it was a great experience, I presume, for him to be there because it kind of showed what's achievable. Mm. Like Michael Conlon, still quite a young pro, and a precocious amateur has since segued into the pros, and like what a spectacle it was, more so than anything in terms of the, the fight. He got the finish that he wanted, but the show itself, in the Falls Park, we've been over it that he used to play football there, his house is 50 yards down the road, but what an event. Mm, it was bonkers, wasn't it? Like
2: the atmosphere was... I don't remember. Like I don't know. I don't. I don't know if like if how many of them would actually be Had boxing Mm -hmm. boxing fans, but they were just certainly enjoying themselves, loving every moment of it, and with the music playing, they were just. You'd look over at this side of the stadium, and there'd be like a crowd of people just dancing and shouting, and then you look over this side, there'd be the whole like you know what I mean? It
1: was yeah, and it was such a pack card that the main event got underway quite late, and it was pouring rain. And yet, no one—it didn't and affect dampened dampen spirits anyway. Yeah, it was probably because the fight cart was so good. We we'll, we we'll stick with Colin just for a second, um, like outclassed Ruiz for the most part and got the finish crucially, and you could see the relief in his face almost that he sunk him in the. It body was shot. it was like an
2: to me, you know, you're thinking about picking picking opponents for him at this stage in his career, and I thought like this was a this was a risky and a, a risky opponent, and also not the great. F- an opponent to sell yourself on you know like if this is they want him to look impressive And they want him to sell in America because this was streamed on ESPN um, And obviously on BT sports, and they want to keep keep the momentum going and you come in against a guy who's Younger if not the same age as than you had twice as many fights only lost twice never stopped and from watching him Can fight South can and fight office and also knew what he was doing in the ring and it was such a risky fight because Michael kind of had to press the action. Your man, Ruiz, was happy to fight within his shell and just coast around, And so Michael had to force the issue and he had to be very careful of how he did that. And When he chose to do that moment, pick his moments because if he'd have gone, gone too aggressive, he would have left himself open to being countered and looking bad and taking shots. But I thought he boxed a perfect fight because he didn't take, I can't remember him taking a clean punch. And he, like, steadily stepped up the pressure and his punch out as the, as the rounds went on. And then he got the finish. And he got the finish, which was perfect, you know, body shot. And it was probably the only place he was going to get a stoppage there because Ruiz was well tucked up and wasn't really at risk of taking any risk. And, yeah, it was a it was a perfect way
1: to, to to cap off the night. And we saw him, it's something we touched on before, the way he segues in and out of Southpaw and Orthodox, uh, such an effective switch hitter like that. And Adam Booth made the point that he hurt his hand with the jab. When he came out, yeah, I was in the dressing room when he came back and his hand was
2: was swollen up pretty
1: badly, yeah. So that means it almost made him switch to the body, targeted the body, and Adam again made the point that he's a vicious body puncher, he's hurting people inspiring to the body. Um, Michael, a minute after the fight, he admits that he's not a huge one-punch uh, knockout artist, never will be, but the body work has sort of been an element of his game that is you know it's cause for optimism
2: yeah it course it is and you got to take take your points where you can you know that kind of a way and um but i i think he, he will actually hurt more people as they start to open up as the as the opening yeah the opposition improve i think up to this point everyone like even even these guys you might look at them from the outside like i looked at ruiz he was quite aggressive in his previous fights he looked like you're very ambitious, but when they are put in front of Michael in the ring and, they, and they're being faced with those feints, they they can't land a punch on him because he gets just quick. The, yeah, they beco- they the effectively become negative fighters because they have to be because they can they feel as that threat there. That, so they can't open up, and so that's probably one of the problems they have. Like I'd like to see him fight the next champion now, like someone who's been there and done it, but maybe slightly past their best, and that that no kind of just get a couple of good names on his record. Kiko, yeah. I, I think it might be a bit risky to say maybe one or two more, four more fights than the Nito I think it would be a good one for him, especially because the Frampton and the Burnett fights now, and, you know, th- th- that'd be a good opponent for him. Um, something something like that, yeah. Yeah.
1: And elsewhere on the card. Just hope- before we move on, man. Yeah. We've
2: lovely touched, um Michael, and yeah. <clears throat> the words he said after dedicating his shots to Kevin Sheehy and, you know, giving them to his family. and that was that was such a touch of class from Michael, yeah.
1: Yeah, brilliant. It was a, a flawless night for him, from top to bottom, really. Um, elsewhere on the card, any highlights you have? But my personal highlight: Luke Keeler, friend of the show, and trying to be professional on the media row. But when he knocked uh, <laughs> Aries down the first round, I was a little bit unprofessional. Uh, thought he was going to finish it there and then. But you, you tweeted it like the best performance
2: by a Dublin fighter since Bernard Done. You know, it's it's which is high praise. Yeah, it's it's one of the best performances by an Irish fighter, and you know, in a in a good while. Uh, well, you we can't say that because obviously we have Katie Taylor, we have you know TJ Dunne, Frampton, all these guys winning. But for a guy like to come, from uh, my eyes it was underdog going into the fight, and it, it's proved that way in the bookies that he wasn't an underdog. And and well, how the fight unfolded, I think he kind of kind of he was his own worst enemy in a way because he knocked him down in the first round then he then he ended up getting kind of involved in a little fight or looking to punch a bit too much and kind of got away from the game plan which would have been bo- to box him box RS and but uh, he meant that it, like he changed halfway through the fight in the second half he changed his approach how he fought he changed his tactics and got back to his boxing and then he just cruised and it was such an easy fight after that stage and the you could see that his conditioning was so much better than that, and also his confidence. You know, his confidence for the roof, Luke Like you can see that he's really up for it, and he never doubted himself. Even though he had that that, that round five as well, he was he was taking a lot of clean shots, but it was really impressive. And and what was another to to make that adjustment during a fight, which is so once the pattern's been established, which it had been, but two of them were kind of slugging it out. The, the fact that he could change up his tactics mid fight. That's really impressive because it's so hard to do. Because once a pattern is usually established, it kind of that's the way it'll go. But um, great performance, yeah, great performance. And it's like who knows where he goes next? You, you, you could see him getting an opportunity at a world title now. Yeah. Um, if not a big fight again,
1: because outside the champions, you know, Arias is well established. And in that tweet I mentioned, it's probably the best middleweight win by an Irish fighter since you beat Karabov. So that's the kind of level we're talking about here. Uh, we've a lot of love for Spike as well, We beat Douglas over on HBO as a big underdog as well. But it's just this is sort of rarefied air that Keeler's in now and came up came up the hard way as well. Mm. You know, so it's kind of it's What chance chance
2: of seeing him versus a solo fight I'm sure they they've trained together a lot and sparred together a lot. Very good friends, I think. But, yeah. you
1: know,
2: it happens. Yeah, it could happen. Like it would be nice to uh, us to see these guys get in together, you know, and mix it up. But great yeah. like a really, really classy performance by him
1: because that round five you mentioned, which Arias came on strong and the point was taken away, like psychologically even, it was one where a lesser fighter, a lesser person would have just crumbled under that pressure, and yet he just bounced back, like almost coasted the final couple of rounds, was leading with the right hand. You know, it was just, it was a beautiful performance. And Barry Jones, I watched it back, and Barry Jones was saying, Keeler doesn't do anything out of the ordinary, he's quite basic. I wouldn't say he's basic, I think he's quite complete at that level in the terms that I think I've said it to you before that if you try to rough him up inside he can handle it he, he boxed off the back foot there as well like he showcased a lot in that fight it's well like it's uh, and what I,
2: I talked about how hard it is to change tech, like to improve in the way he has this kind of not a late stage but middle stage of his career he's, like he has to be one of the most improved fighters that we've seen in a long time hasn't he in terms yeah. of since he's gone with Peter Taylor, that kind of adjustment that he's made, in the style that he's kind of found, where he's, he is an inside fighter, was also an, a boxer as well. Very, he'd be a very hard guy to fight because he can do everything. Like he can do a bit of everything, and
1: yeah, it's
2: interesting to see where he goes next. It is,
1: and we have some news on the middleweight division. We'll get to Lou and Joe in a second, but any other highlights from that card? There's probably too many to mention. No, it was a good, like top to bottom. Paddy Gallagher was probably unlucky not to get a decision in hindsight,
2: even though I thought. Chris Jenkins might have been winning the fight. The two cuts were caused by punches. So, like, he probably deserves, deserves to get the nod, but I think a rematch could be there. You know, it would be a fair, although I think uh, Jenkins has a mandatory now for the British title, and also it'll have to take time to heal those cuts because the one, the one over the left eye was horrendous, wasn't it? Mm. Steve Collins Jr., I thought he was winning the fight. I thought, you know, I thought, I thought he was cruising, I thought he boxed very well, and. Um, I didn't think, I didn't fully agree with Stoppage, even though he didn't punch back. Like, let let, let me give credit to Paul McCrory, because from his point of view, it's a great come from behind stoppage victory, you know. And And his corner were telling him, yeah, and it it was a fantastic. I feel like I might have uh, downplayed his victory, because it was a fantastic from his point of view, but from C Collins' point of view, I thought he was winning the fight. and I thought the referee was very quick to jump in, because he, he clearly blocked all of the punches, and the one punch I did land, he kind of swayed away from it um but maybe should have just threw back but he was pretty tired and he probably was hurt too you know from the initial right hand um but it was a great night up there yeah it was a great night and and some good fights and yeah, I think i mean, think they'll be back next year. do I? Don't I definitely think it'll be Absolutely. back. Absolutely, it's I a
1: success. The talk is this time next year, hopefully for a world title. So that's very much on the horizon. Mentioned the Belfast success, Fredo Melly with a with a great win, and Paddy Barnes back with his first yeah, win. Melly had a tough fight
2: too. Yeah, yeah. So. Paddy, Paddy got found his feet eventually. He, yeah, I think, the first couple of rounds were tough for him, and that would be understandable because of the ring rust and the, you know, probably lacking a bit of confidence as well. But. Like round from the third round on, he cruised and really showed his class. And uh, yeah, he's back, back on, back to winning times now.
1: Yeah, and a great weekend for Irish pro boxing has turned into a great week for pro boxing because Joe Ward today uh, ratified his decision to turn pro. And at a press conference at the Westbury earlier on, and we caught up with Joe himself and Luke him into studio earlier on, and this is how we got on. So today was the day you um announced your the beginning of your pro journey. Can you just tell us a bit about how this came to be?
3: Yeah, look, it's 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 been a long time coming. Um it's been a number of years. People keep asking me when I was going to turn professional, but I felt like when the time was right, um when I got the right team around me and I felt like now was the time. I got a great opportunity. I met Joe Winter, which is my manager, and we sat down, we talked and both had the one vision and what we were gonna do go about doing things and um Yes, we we then we, we met with Lou and look we, we all gelled in together and I um, was really happy to make my decision to try the first time.
1: You've been billed as a potential pro for a long time since you first burst onto the amateur scene. To what extent was it were you waiting for the right fit in terms of your promotional and management team, or have there been offers in the past?
3: Yeah, there's been uh, numerous of offers in the past, and, but yeah, I was waiting for the right fit. I was waiting for the right time for me, for myself to feel like when I was ready to go. And and now was the time. I felt like it was the right time. And I know it's it's it's, it's only twelve months off doing the big games, but again, is that I felt like these opportunities don't come around often enough. So I felt like this was the right time for me to, me to go. I got a great fit, and it's time for me to um to go into the professional ranks and and be successful.
1: And you've been a serial medalist as an amateur, one of our greatest ever. And the Olympics just never quite worked out and to what extent has the uncertainty around the next Olympics sort of played into this decision? It's only a year away after all.
3: Yeah look it's, it's definitely, it's definitely um, a big situation where we didn't even know was Olympics were going to be in boxing or the box being the Olympic Games so you're never sure of the amateur system and what's going to happen and what's not going to happen but I made the decision based on whenever when I felt I was ready to go professional and I got the right fit and, and that's why I decided to go professional.
1: Mm. And Lou, you've worked with a who's who of uh, boxers over the years. And tr- my fair year of man, Irish boxers. Including the man to including my Including this mind, gentleman yeah. right over here. Um, what is it about Joe that's so appealing to you?
4: He's a terrific person. Start with that. And I mean, I, I look, I've been lucky. I, I, I worked with Matthew Macklin. I worked with, I mean, among Irish fighters, Andy, um, Patrick Highland. Uh, I, I, in, in the States, Mickey Ward. Um, you know, I, I have a long history of promoting... Irish fighters and Irish-American fighters. And the majority of the guys, the overwhelming majority of the guys I I promoted are fine people. And um, look, I've known about him for years. He's been the premier Irish amateur for a long time. Um, His style is a pro style. I'd never met him until we got together in New York and had dinner with his his new managers and who I've known for literally 25 years, his managers. Um, Joe's never managed a fighter before, but Joe was born and raised in boxing. Joe's dad was a a boxing trainer, you know, a successful businessman but always in boxing. Joe was a professional prize fighter. You know, he's also one of the most successful Irish-American businessmen in the New York area. A a tremendously successful guy, a philanthropist, a guy that gives a lot to charity, a really fine person. And, And, um, Adam Glenn, who he's working with in Times Square uh, management. Adam's dad is Jimmy Glenn that has the famous Jimmy's Corner in, in New York. And Jimmy Glenn is like a saint. I mean, he's one of the nicest people in, in boxing ever. And, and anyone who goes to New York and doesn't go to Jimmy, Jimmy's Bar is missing you know, something wonderful. Um, I sat down with him. He's an intelligent kid. He's bright, family man, has all of the outside-of-the-ring things you need to be great, and he's a tremendous prospect. So I'm really excited. Mm-hmm.
1: Andy, given your affiliation with Lou, I'm sure you endorse this this
4: partnership. Yeah, like for our career, we always had a good relationship.
2: Lou was Lou got me two world title shots, you know, which is was hard enough to get one. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you fight I oh, would like just to get one, but then to get two and get them under the circumstances I did,
4: so, uh, yeah, we always
2: had a good relationship. We always, we we, we always worked well together.
4: Yeah. And and you know, look, New York has a tremendously um, loud and active and supportive Irish community. I mean if you're an Irish athlete in the New York area, you're gonna get support and love. And um, if you're the kind of person particularly that's gonna reach out to that community. I know that when Joe's fighting in the States, Joe's gonna be embraced by Irish Americans and I know he's gonna do what it takes to reach out and make himself, you know, you know, more known to these people and 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 to you know, look, you're a proud Irish guy, and, and, and a and a guy that has been the face of Irish boxing in the amateur level for a long time. I mean, you know, Joe hasn't spent a lot of time in New York, but he can, he can't walk into a pub in New York without without somebody recognizing him, and and that's going to be more and more the case as he as he builds his career. Um, he's going to live here. He, he's got three kids and 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 a wife here. He's a family man. Um, but he's going to he's going to spend some significant time in the in the states training with Buddy McGirt. Um, there's, I think there's a, there's a greater depth of of sparring, and the gyms in New York are more more competitive. The gyms in the states, I think, a little bit more of a, of a professional base of talent than there is here. Um, but but we're going to do our best to to build him and develop in a, him in a way that he can spend significant time here as well as, as back in the States. What's, what do you see the trajectory
2: for his career in terms of debut and then going on to eventually, if all going well,
4: fight and win a world title? He'll, he'll I, th- I see the debut coming in October. We'll make an announcement probably in the next week or two of the exact date. Um, when he comes over to train for that fight, he's going to fight there in October. We probably will keep him there and, and do another fight shortly thereafter. So I can see in October, November, back-to-back um, first and second fights, and then he can come back here and spend the holidays with his, his family and, and, and pick it up again. Um, I, I think you're going to see a lot of him coming across the pond and, and fighting, particularly as he's being developed and fighting more frequently, and he's lo- going to fight about six times in year one. Um, I think you're going to see like bang-bang the first couple of fights, come back for a while, spend some time with the family, stay in shape, come back to the States, bang-bang another few fights. And, and do it in a way that he's able to maintain um, his residency here and, and, and have enough time with his kids and his wife, but also spend the necessary time with Buddy McGirt and in the gym, the gyms in, in, in America, um, you know, to, to develop his professional game to the greatest extent possible.
1: And how does that sound to you, Joe? Like, I suppose the sacrifice comes with the territory. You're going to, a family man though you are, you're going to have to spend some time away.
3: How does that all sound? How does that feel? Yeah, I knew before I, I signed the contract that I knew the situation I would have been in to, to have to go away to America and train everywhere. But that's where the, that's where I'm going to improve, being away from home, living that lifestyle, being trained by, like, somebody McGirt, um, who's a Hall of Famer as a coach and as a fighter. Um, these, are the people, these are the people who you need to be around to get you to the next level. Mm. And as Andy knows, I said, it's not that easy going away from home, but easy things you have to do, and going over to America, it, it definitely brings the best out of me.
1: And Buddy McGirt has mentioned, a totemic figure in the training circles, and a great fighter in his own right. Was he the leading candidate? Was he the only name in consideration, or were you toying around with a few different people? It was
4: really Joe and his management that, that discussed the training. I, I, I stayed out of that area. But obviously, when, I, when Buddy's name was thrown in, I, I'm, there was a big endorsement from me. He, Buddy's a friend. Um, he's also a fine, fine trainer, and he was a great fighter. I mean, he... he You know, I think it helps when someone has has the pedigree and the track record as a trainer as well as a fighter You know, there's nobody that knows a fighter and the fighters mentality better than another fighter And when you have someone that's proven their success as a trainer following a a championship Hall of Fame career as a fighter I I, and I don't think Joe could have a better situation and Jimmy um, your, your strength and conditioning coach your coach here in ireland okay. is a good man and a, and, a, and a really experienced boxing guy excellent physical conditioning type of coach and, and that's a lot of what joe's going to do he can't afford to get out of shape he's got to yeah. stay near fighting weight um be ready to fight pretty much at all times and um and i think having the the coach here and then buddy in the states it's a nice balance that's one of the biggest differences is the difference in the
2: condition that's required as a professional you know and this day and age, professional boxing, as much as it's about the skill and the ring craft, it's about your conditioning because fighters are getting fitter. And how do you how do you see yourself making that transition? Because you were such a well-established amateur and
3: coming to the professional game, it's a, it's a different, it is a different game, it's a different sport in in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, and that's why I think it's good that him have Romy, especially Lou here. That we're not in a rush. But we're here to 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 build nicely and obviously to to get that conditioning and, and get to. the the level of standard that you need to be to compete as a, at the top level. And I think that's where we have the right team around us, the right coaches. And I think I can transition fairly quick, but, again, we need to do the right things and, and, and be smart in what decisions we make. So performances
4: of what happens in the ring are going to dictate.
3: Mm. How quickly you
4: move. Yeah. You know, I mean, just I, mean, I don't think he needs to start with a four. He'll start with a six. There's no reason to start with a four. Um how many sixes will he have? It depends. I mean, if he knocks his first three opponents out, I mean, he needs to go six rounds before he goes eight rounds. I mean, it's going to be a progression. And his performances in the ring will dictate how quickly he'll progress. But in terms of opposition, you know, we're not going to nickel and dime. The opp- He's not going to ever see a 3-and-40 fighter. Or, or uh, I watched the The Zone show recently, and there was a, a, a fight. I mean, a guy who was fighting actually was pretty rugged, but the guy's record was 70-and-165. I mean, you're not going to see a guy that's... Seven and twenty. There's no reason to. He's been fighting the best fighters in the world in the amateurs for a long time. Um, his progression, his performance, will dictate his progression.
1: And we mentioned, buddy Joe. I know you've had a couple of sessions with him already. Have you taken any major takeaways from those sessions, or is it still too early to, to judge? Yeah. Look, it's, it's he's definitely a great
3: coach, and um, he's a, he's a good eye for it. And um, he looked there's loads of room for improvement. Um, but look, we we got to work for each other for a period of time, and then. We kind of know then what we need to obviously work on and and where we need to go about getting to the next level.
1: And Joe's probably too modest to say it himself, Andy, but what kind of a prospect are we looking at here? He's always had a pro style.
2: As I said, the Premier, like you don't compete at that level, world champion every year since he was, what, 15, you know, every year and the the, the top of the game. So um, you don't achieve those things without having the, the technical stuff. The, the ability but also having the internal makeup to, to go into those tournaments where you're fighting five different people within the space of five or six days a different country every night and keep on winning so um if you can trans, 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 uh, le- translate and transitions even 50 percent of that talent as an amateur into a professional game he he'll be, he'll be, will be world champion but the biggest thing is is how much you put into it you know isn't it the professional game that's the more you put in the more you take out of it and as an amateur, you a lot of times you're fighting for your country. You're fighting, for, and the prize is a is a medal, you know. And, and you're having these hard life and death fights with no real prize at the end. Where in professional, the motivation is there because when you train hard, when you fight hard, and you win and look good doing it, the prize get bigger and bigger and bigger as you go on. So that's. that's you, you,
4: you talked a minute ago Andy about, about fitness. Mm. You know, I, I was happy to walk into a room and see how he looked today. He's not in active training. There's not a date set. And I'm looking at him, and I see a guy weighing about 180. And, um, you know, so many fighters fight the weight. Yeah, You've got to fight an opponent. You don't need to fight the weight. I mean, if you're able to control your weight and keep yourself... Look, I promoted Sergio Martinez, who was a great fighter. I'm definitely going to be a Hall of Famer, I believe. And, and Martinez had a bad leg... That's what got him out of soccer and bicycle racing and into boxing. He blew his knee out, so he was always a fighter with a bad leg. Um, He had tremendous athleticism. The other thing he had was he was never out of shape, Mm -hmm. ever. There was never he his weight was always within five to seven pounds of his fighting weight, and that's such an advantage as an athlete. You know that you're, you're that you're you're keeping your body, you know, in a in an appropriate condition, and when a fight presents itself your weight's not at all an issue, it's a, it's a secondary thing. You know, what you have to do is prepare for your opponent and, and you know, get yourself physically right, but not, not right in terms of weight. And um, conditioning's a big deal.
1: And Andy, you were a precocious talent yourself coming out of the amateurs. What are the biggest differences, you mentioned strength and conditioning, but psychologically even, what's the shift like from amateur to pro?
2: well it's a it, it, the one like and just on a fundamental level it's not about scoring points it's about hurting hurting the man in front of you and that's not done in a vicious or you know vindictive way it's just the, just the, the hard truth about it and you're rewarded for that so that's like there is an emphasis on on hurting them and knocking them out, not just winning on points. And well, there are some similarities between your game, Andy, yeah. and, and, and Joe's game. I between, mean, Coming out of the average, Joe was much
4: more explosive puncher than I ever was. Yeah, I mean, so. a, he can yeah. crack, you could yeah. crack, yeah. but he could really crack. Yeah. And both of you are very fundamentally sound mm. boxers. You know, The thing about Joe when you look at tape, and when I was looking at tape, that made me say, okay, I'm going to extend myself to try to sign this, Going to do what it takes, was he's smart in the ring. He knows what to do. He already has a professional style. I mean, he, he his his mental game is very very strong, and his fundamentals are strong, and then he can punch, and that punching power, um, combined with that that intelligence in the ring, for a kid in the amateurs, well, he's not a kid; he's twenty five years old. But for a twenty five year old man, a man that never fought professional, his style was was professional, and it's one of the reasons why. By the way, I didn't I didn't have one conversation with with Joe about or, or anyone around him about. Um, whether he stayed amateur or turned pro, right this second. But I always believed in my head that he would be making a mistake by committing more time to the amateurs. Because he's done everything you could do in the amateurs. He's already experienced the unfairness of amateur scoring. And he has a professional style. There are guys that are tremendous, you know, multi-time gold medalists, and their game is that touch score point. Um, He's knocked out guys in the amateurs. Because he has that kind of power. But that kind of power is not rewarded by amateur scoring. So going to the Olympics and, and, and being frustrated like, you know, Conlon was with a decision, um, that doesn't help you.
2: And if you win a gold medal does not doesn't mean like the deal or whatever you have the to, to sell it now you have with Lou with Joe Winters and with William Gurk, you're not gonna get better than that, even if you have a gold medal in
4: your you know, around your neck it's he got a medalist deal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he did. I mean, and, and he deserved it. But but, he, but and and by the way, he may not have turned pro if he didn't, and that's just good business. I mean, that's the other thing. He's a grown man. I mean, he's an you know he's it's an incentive. intelligent family yeah. man. He's a grown man, and he made grown man decisions. And and the offer that he was given was the type of offer that a, a gold or silver medalist would have gotten. And um, and I'm glad he took it.
1: And one of the major proponents of this transition from amateur to pro is a namesake of yours, Andre Ward, who won the gold medal and became a premier super middleweight in the pro game. Is he sort of like the beacon? Is he sort of that target where he can mix it on the inside but he can also use his boxing skills? Is that sort of your what you're aiming for? Yeah, look, Andre
3: Ward was an excellent fighter um, and also a very humble guy he came across really well. Um, but he was a very smart guy. He, as you said, he knew how to fight, he knew how to box. He knew how to win fights, which is very important. He knew how to get over the line when, when, when things is, it was tough. Um, but, yeah, someone like Andrew Ward is definitely a, um, a big, someone who I inspire as, 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 a, as a fighter and as a person, the way he deals with his, his personal life and, and, and the boxing side of things. So he's, he's definitely someone who he'd look up to. Are you gonna, you're going to box a light heavyweight? Light heavyweight, yeah. So 175 is what, what we're aiming for for the first couple of fights. And look, who knows what opportunity comes at... Super middleweight. If everything is going well, well, I think um, maybe that would be a possibility down the line, and and maybe down the line again, maybe cruiserweight. Nobody knows. Like, I mean, it all depends what opportunities we get and what fights can be made and at the right time. And so I'm I'm flexible. I mean, most to, most 68 pounders walk walk around heavier than yeah.
4: than Joe is right now. But that that doesn't mean he's a 68 pounder. Um, you know, he, he's had success as a, a light heavyweight, and that's you know, where we're going to campaign. But if, you know, if he's getting on scales for fights and he sees 171, you know, 172 without much difficulty, then you can, you know, gives you the flexibility of directing yourself toward the best opportunity. And, and flexibility in boxing is always a good thing. And I
1: mentioned Andre Ward there, another Ward who you name-checked already, Lou, uh, Mickey Ward, who you worked with. Uh, he marketed himself in a very different way, getting in these blood and thunder sort of fights. Um, you're happy enough for Joe to, for the cream to rise to the top just let his talent shine through he doesn't have to be doing these wars or even the trash talking no, pro stuff I, I love
4: to watch wars I'm not going to lie to you I'm, I'm a fan I mean I, I, I love boxing you know you don't want to see your fighter get into a lot of wars it's not healthy I mean there are going to be moments and points in time and you've been there uh, Andy where you, ha- you get dragged into a war and then you're in war mm-hmm. you've got to fight that style. You, that's how you have to respond you're in a war um, but you don't want to make that your norm and, and, and Mickey's paying the price you know Mickey got diagnosed with the symptoms recently he's made it public he's not hiding it people aren't paying attention because no one wants to look at the dark side of boxing if they don't have to but Mickey has symptoms of CTE and he knows it and it's you know he's okay right now but but he's been sort of forewarned and, and he's in doctor's care and and they're looking at him regularly but he's going to be symptomatic more as time progresses and that's a terrible thing, and it's a it's a price you pay. Now I've had long conversations with Mickey, who says he wouldn't have done anything differently. Mm-hmm. That's who he is. And if he wasn't doing it in a ring, his life would have gone probably in a bad direction. And he doesn't regret anything. And I'm happy that he doesn't regret anything. But I don't want to see Joe Ward go that way. I don't want to see any fighter mm-hmm. I work with go that way. The the the, the one thing I didn't press upon upon Joe when we first met is that I don't really care about belts. It's not my you know I'll get I mean I'll get you the opportunities i want you to make enough money to take care of you and yourself and your family and to get out of this game healthy that's it i don't want him to be fighting in 10 years if he's turning pro now that's one of the advantages by the way people stay amateur stay amateur you know go to the olympics he's turning pro now at 25 years old ideally i want to see him go the route that andy did you know get out at 33 32 34 get out in that time frame before he's sustained any real you know i'd rather him be an entree ward than a mickey Ward, to be honest now that being said you know, Andre Ward was a genius in the ring. I mean, pound for pound type of guy. I mean, it's hard to aspire to pound for pound status. But actually, Joe's punching power is greater than Andre's was. So he's more of a puncher, naturally, than Ward was. Um, and and if, he can, if he can establish his career on, on that kind of plane of boxing and, and and be able to throw power into that mix, he's going to have a very successful career.
1: Mm. And promotion, Andy, you know, every fight is a sales pitch when you're in the pros and you're always saying uh, knockouts are the currency in America. Uh, to what extent is that an important shift that you have to let your fighting do the talking, but you also have to do some talking, is
2: well? it? I was never good at it, so I don't know. Like, and, you know, in, some, in this day and age in boxing, it seems that there has to be a kind of soap opera. Sometimes, isn't it? You, know, you weren't, so weren't a big talker, but yeah. people
4: liked you. Yeah. See, there's, 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 that's the other thing, too. If you're well-liked, if, if people have to care about you. And by the way, they don't have to like you. I mean, Nassim Hamed made a career of, like, people bought his tickets because they loved them, and people bought his tickets because they hated them. Floyd Mayweather did the same thing. He's, never, he's not going to have that negativity toward him, and you never did. If people care about you, and they want to see you win, and they support you, you don't have to talk a lot of smack. Mm. You know, it never hurts, but, but it, you don't have to if you're the kind of person that um, in, sort of inspires people to support you. And Andy was able to do that, and I'm sure Joe will.
1: And is I know the plan is for East Coast development in America, but long term, we're planning to see Joe headline shows over here. That's the that's the goal as well. I love to see
4: headline shows over here,
1: and I promote it all
4: over the world, and, and in all you know, uh, countless states and countries. I promote it everywhere. Um, but that that being said, you know again, it's a business. Where's the money? Right now, the money's in America, and and outside of Ireland, where's the Irish community? I mean, there's a tremendously supportive boxing fan base in, in the East Coast of the United States. And, you know, with, with, we haven't mentioned Kenny Casey, um, who, by the way, went to the airport last night to get on the plane. I mean, literally have a video on my phone. He's been having problems with vertigo, like dizziness. And um, he had a spell of vertigo at the airport and literally couldn't walk from his seat to get on the airplane. So he had to leave his car at the airport and be, you know... <laughs> and have someone drive him back, and he just physically couldn't get on the plane. But the Dropkick Murphys have a tremendous popularity within the Irish-American community. And, and you know, Ken plays all over the world. Um, there's a lot of natural promotional opportunities between the, the Dropkick Murphys fan base and, and uh, my friend over here. You know, I, I think you'll see uh, a lot of cross-promotion with Ken and the Murphys and, and Murphy's boxing uh, and Joe Ward.
1: And Lou said he's not uh, overly enamoured with belts, it's not his number one priority. For you, Joe, what are your targets? You're starting out in the pros now. What would you like to have achieved when you wrap it all up?
3: Yeah, look, some of my ability and, and someone who, who's willing to, to dedicate his life to to boxing, um, I can't see why I can't become a world champion. And, and maybe not only in one way, maybe in, in, in multiple different weight categories and maybe to unify the division but look at the end of the day we start from the scratch we, we've got to just prepare fire at a time and one fight at a time and then when them opportunities comes I'll be ready to take them. I believe me too we're going to play the chess
4: game of, of positioning him to be a world champion and, and, and to do that but you know again I view my job as being I view, I view my sport as being a business and I view a fighter's career as being a short period of time in which they have to maximise their earning potential so not that I'm not going to be directing him toward world belts, there's a big connection between championships and titles and, and making money in the sport. But, the, but honestly, the real aim is to um, leave the sport financially secure and with your health intact. That's it.
1: Yeah. And it's certainly one of the most exciting pro journeys for Irish boxing and we can't wait to join you on that journey, Joe. But just Lou, while we have you here and your affiliation with that we've mentioned, can you just tell us a bit about that, Andy, how this link up came to be and your history with Lou? Oh,
2: I saw him in 2011. He had the champion, Martinez at the time, and that was my, you know, he was the guy I was going for. I didn't think I was a million miles away from him or from getting a fight with him. And so I had to get through McEwen first. (laughs) And then I got through here and then I had to go go through, get the rematch of Vera. And and it just never happened with Martinez, but
4: besides that, we developed a good relationship. And, I and had also there was a tremendous economic opportunity with yeah. the PBC universe at that point had Danny Jacobs, Peter Quillen, mm. and, um, and they laid out an offer that we sort of couldn't refuse. And, and um, he had a tremendous fight with Peter Quillen at the Barclay Center, a memorable fight. By the way, I was watching some documentary or something, and you would have thought we saw a different fight. Yeah, I
2: know. Well, I just that, <laughs> you know, that's it's called, it's called they, uh, they, they pull out every yeah, yeah, hi, every cool and highlight from the fight. I actually bumped into that guy. His name's Jay Bugler. Bugler, a New York. Yeah, yeah, guy. yeah, New New York guy. yeah. Was, Jay Bulger. Yeah. <laughs> you made me look like <laughs> you <laughs> They framed it, but
4: uh, very heavily for Fekollan. But no. Yeah, we had a great ride, didn't we? And yeah, it was really good you know, one. I was, And I was, yeah. you know what, too? He could have, we, we did a fight with him against uh, Leatherwood mm. at, at the Garden and undercard bout, and he won. Um, he could have made a decision. There's no question in the world that Andy could have seen a a, 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 a three or $400,000 kind of payday. Um, but th- this also goes to maturity and, and, and being an adult, having a, a family. Um, and I've, I've said this privately to him many times, and I'll say it on the record, that... I was thrilled that he made the, the, the decision to walk away when he did, because, I mean, he's able to sit here right now and, and be a, you know, a guy that's emerging in this, this world of, of sports commentary as a professional and a, a, a top man in this area. He's going to have a, a, a great career in life beyond boxing. Boxing's a window. It's a period of time. There's life beyond boxing. And and it's the guys that don't understand that that have problems with their lives. Mm. And the important thing is to know that it's a window of time and that you want to get out and move on to your next chapter. And and this is the kind of guy, Joe Ward, that will also have a next chapter, you know. And and I want to make sure he gets that next chapter um, financially stable and physically sound.
1: And you're still entrenched in the sport yourself. Yeah, yeah, but, but i got to be honest with you. Like,
4: I'm, I'm trying to balance it out a little bit. I, mean, I On my 30th anniversary in boxing in November, and, um, you know, I, I run two minor league baseball teams uh, you know, affiliated with professional teams in the States. I have a production company. I do a little bit of film stuff uh, just to balance it out a little bit. I'm still primarily immersed in boxing. But boxing is a hard business, man. It's a hard business, and it's, it's often one, too, that you, makes you want to take a shower, an extra shower or two um, <laughs> with some of the people you have to deal with. You know, But at the same time, you get to meet amazing people like Andy Lee and like Joe
1: Ward. And in the press conference earlier, you were speaking about the amateur scene and the uncertainty around that. It's in flux very much at the moment, and you met, used the word mafia just to describe... Figuratively. Figuratively, Figuratively. of course. If, if amateur boxing is the mafia, I'm sure you've had some uh, quite untoward uh, dealings in the pro game as well. You've probably seen some, uh, some shady stuff, I'm sure.
4: You know, we're the Wild West of sports. I mean, I, I once referred to it, and it was used in a book, as the red light district of sports. I mean, we're a combat sport. Start with that. It's a dangerous sport. There's no commissioner. There's no one body. I mean, there's a lot of nonsense with the sanctioning organizations. You know, that they're supposed to be overseeing the sport, but someone's got to oversee them. Um, you know, we're not the cleanest. You know, there was a... And, and by the way, it's always been this way. One of the most famous books in the history of boxing was a book called Only the Ring Was Square. You know, and, and it's nothing new, um, but it's also no accident that poets, writers, creative people are so attracted, you know, to boxing because it, it's still sport in its most pure form. You know, mano a mano, are woman and woman now in these days, but, but, you know, it's a very pure form of sport. Um, it's not always the stronger person that wins. It's not always the, the faster person that wins. A lot of it is, is heart um it's 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 intellect i mean there's it's a it's a really interesting it's 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 an interesting world and it's one that draws you in and and you know i you know every time i try i think I, i talk i've talked for years about getting out and every time i talk about getting out it just pulls me back in so
1: and for people who don't know your affiliations with hbo back in the day but the landscape has changed an awful lot now what's your view just on the general health of boxing from a just the landscape of the thing i suppose
4: it's in a strange transitional time right now you know i mean there's all this there's crazy money in on, on a lot of platforms is it a bubble i think it's a bubble uh, i do i i don't think it's a bubble that's going to burst and go down to nowhere but uh, but i think it's a bubble i, I do think that uh, and i think by the way i mean you know people have to make sound decisions the bubble is still intact he's turning pro um, you know that's an intelligent decision do you know what I'm saying? There's, there's money out there right now that there wasn't there five years ago, and it may not be there five years from now. So the timing uh, for a terrific amateur to be turning pro right now, it's probably the right timing. You want to get in before the bubble bursts. You know, there's, there's no rhyme or reason. There's monopoly money being spent right now with no rhyme or reason. And that's fact. I mean, that's not even controvertible. I mean, it's fact. Um, that benefits an elite amateur that benefits a world champion right now and uh... he's an elite amateur and 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 i think that that will benefit him as will the fact that i'm able to work with every platform i'm not tied to just one so if there's you know he he very well will fight on cards on the zone that eddie's involved with he'll very likely fight on cards promoted by top rank and arrow and 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 as well as pbc i mean he's I'm not going to close any avenue for him and we'll be able to go where the best opportunity lies.
1: And you have a unique point of view in that regard of impartiality between, like we've seen it with PBC, not even acknowledging the existence of of Terence Crawford and the likes. So that fact that you're able to sort of place Joe in the best position is going to be beneficial in the long term. Well, you you mentioned my history at HBO. I mean, I ran boxing at HBO for
4: a decade almost. Um, And by virtue of that I was a purchaser and a lot of the people I was dealing with are still promoters so I've, I had a relationship with the people in the industry that began as a television executive so I'm a promoter now but I'm a promoter that's always been able to do business with the I mean, I've done business with Aaron for 30 years I've done business with Eddie's dad I mean I knew Eddie when he was 10 years old you know so it, it, like there's he, he will he will be able to go where the best opportunity lies and and, and um and at some point in time that, that results in an attachment with a particular platform because it's the best thing for him, then we'll go that route. I mean, Tevin Farmer's been attached for the last couple of years. Well, actually, for the last 13, 14 months with the Zone, But he's, he's had four title fights in 11 months. and Keeps beating all our Irish guys. Yeah, well, the, 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 I mean, to be honest with you, Irish guys tend to be a good matchup for a guy with Tevin's style. I mean, he's so elusive and so fast. But that John O'Carroll fight was fun. I mean, that was a really, really
1: fun fight. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Andy, just on this landscape, how different is the boxing game that Joe's getting into as compared to the one that you got into? It, when you, and the, it's basically, it's the same. When the start,
2: when it's it's really the, from his point of view, th- all of that is not his concern. He just has to worry about getting into the gym, learning and improving and changing. And, and you know, you know?
4: You're right. But you have to put the. What he did, too, and you, you know this, you have to put together a team that allows you to be the athlete and the fighter and then have te- a team behind you that. Also understands the business and can explain it to you and to help you make the right decisions for yourself and, and I think that he has that kind of team now but like, you know you, you made the point you know it's, it's not that different because when he his biggest fights were when PBC was the I got the I got on the last bubble <laughs> right he had him exactly I mean he was he was in a, the last bubble and this is a new one you know and PBC still still alive and competing in a big way um you know, but he, but but they had middleweights when he was a top middleweight, and it was an opportunity to do a deal. I, you know, you we were working with Adam at the time, and we got together and said, "Look at this opportunity," and the opportunity was one that you couldn't really turn down. And and, and if those opportunities present themselves to Joe, we're not going to turn them down.
1: And it's nice to see you back on the Irish side of the table because I mentioned uh, Tevin's been beating up Beat Tennyson and then Carroll, mm. and there's also talk which is perennial at this stage of Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano. Have you any update on that? Yeah, I do, actually. There's going to be an announcement
4: this week. Um, Amanda Serrano is going to fight Heather Hardy.
1: Another or, client of yours?
4: Yes, both clients of mine. Um, Heather is a 26-pound is champion. Uh, Amanda's going to fight Heather. Both of them are committed to fight Katie in the future as part of the deal for the fight. The fight will be on The Zone and, uh, on September 13th from the theater at Madison Square Garden. That's one of the biggest fights in American female boxing that there's been. And absolutely the biggest fight in the history of New York women's boxing. I mean, two, the two biggest stars of New York's boxing are fighting one another. So it's a, that's a big fight. And, and one also that, I, I mean, Amanda is seven-time world champion, one of the best pound-for-pound women in boxing. But Heather is a, a tremendous face of New York women's boxing and has been for a long time. And she's earned that opportunity to be on the biggest stage for real money. And, and, and this is a, a good payday and, and, a, and a real opportunity for her to defend her title against one of the best pan for pound women in the world.
1: And Joe, in the press conference, we mentioned Katie there, and it was been mentioned in the press conference that you could be the male Katie Taylor, you could go into America and do what she's done in the female game. Is that sort of your target?
3: Yeah, definitely. Look, Katie's been very successful in everything she did, like as an amateur and now as a professional. Um, definitely, it would be, be, be something it'd be great, obviously, to... We will have, achieve some of the stuff she's achieved. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a great opportunity for me to go to America and showcase my skill and, and what I can really do.
1: And there's so much we could get into, Lou. I know we're tight on time, but you mentioned the Joshua Ruiz poster behind me there, and you were there, I think, at Madison Square Garden for the fight. And like, what, What's your view on the heavyweight mix at the moment? You had Deontay Wilder. I don't think you're affiliated with him anymore. No. So you're, but, but, you're, no, even you're, you're a neutral arbitrator in this whole thing? I, I am, actually, at this point. I have neutrality. Um,
4: I think the two best heavyweights in the world right now, they're completely different. One's a pure boxer, one's a pure puncher. But the two best heavyweights in the world right now are Wilder and Fury. And I, don't think that, I think that's unequivocal. I, I actually do not put Joshua, even if he wins a rematch, in that same category. I think he could be outboxed fairly easily by, by uh, Tyson if he doesn't get caught. And I don't think he has the punch resistance to go 12 rounds with Deontay Wilder, even if he wins 11 rounds. I don't think he's going to... has that punch resistance. Um, he's still a great heavyweight. Um, Andy's a tremendously skilled guy for a guy... I mean, he doesn't look... I said this before the fight, I didn't understand for the life of me why Eddie made that fight. It made no sense to me. Zero. I, it was mind-boggling to me in a lot of ways. Um, because if you and, and I think most people hadn't paid enough attention to Andy to understand... What a tremendous boxer he is. He's, he's been his own worst enemy in his career. The funny part is, I think he's one of those guys that might turn out to be a much better champion than he was a, a challenger or a, a contender. Because, you know, I, I, he never, as a contender for most of his career, he never gave himself the best opportunity to win. Um, but that night, that wasn't a fluke. That wasn't a fluke punch. It was, it was the better fighter won. Mm-hmm. And, and the better fighter was Andy Ruiz you know Joshua was still a bigger puncher than Andy and, and Joshua was a very skilled guy he's a very good athlete but I saw stuff that night that spoke to me of like self-confidence and, and questioning himself I, there was stuff I saw in that, in that Joshua fight that made me think to myself yeah you have the rematch clause and you probably because of the politics of boxing you probably need to exercise it I don't think they made a mistake exercising it but in a perfect world, would you want him to walk right? If you, if you promoted him, would you have the rematch? You know, I I, I was no would be my my initial answer. But then you have to look at this at the politics. Spot It's not even looking bad. I wouldn't care about looking bad. If it was just looking bad, I would not do it immediately. It's you may not get that opportunity for for years, and 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 and, and you have an economic deal solidified that's in your interest. It's a business, so. I don't think that Joshua or Hearn had a choice. The only decision they could make was the immediate rematch. Now, from a competitive standpoint, is that better for Ruiz or Joshua? I'd argue it's better for Andy. The immediate rematch is much better for Andy Ruiz than it is for Anthony. A shorter window to improve or to address. And, 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 And even to get, you know, Look, this is not a guy that's tasted defeat. It's not a, guy, not a guy that's ever been knocked out as a pro. He never lost as a pro. He, he's, you know, he, man, he got a humbling, a significant humbling, against a guy that didn't look like a world class athlete. I mean, Andy's a world class fighter, but God knows he doesn't look like it. I mean, you know, because, you know, I, I may have a, I may look better with my shirt off. And that's frightening, <laughs> you know. But 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 Andy's a terrifically talented guy, and Andy's confidence has got to be through the roof. You're likely to see a better Andy Ruiz, you know,
1: in the rematch.
4: The question is, are you going to see a better Anthony
1: Joshua. Yeah, there's so many dynamics we could get into. Just Der it seems uh, that middleweight fight's going to happen.
4: We're in, we're in the middle. Of, I mean, I got to get back to my room at some point and make some phone calls, <laughs> but we're 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 close to closing a deal to fight Triple G. Uh, that, that deal, I believe, will will happen and will close in the next few days.
1: And he's a handful for anyone, Andy. Is there any other business I'm missing here before we let No, just go? Uh, wish Joe the best. Sure, Anything you want there? to say before you head
3: off? No, I just, I'm really excited, obviously, about this journey, and I can't wait for it to start. So thanks for everything.
1: And we're, October is the likely date for, for the debut.
3: That's the likely date.
1: I mean, no, he, he will fight in October.
4: The, the, we'll, we'll give the exact date in the next week or two.
1: There you have it, Um Joe Ward, Ireland's next big thing in professional boxing, you'd think, Andy?
2: If he can fulfil his potential, you know, if he can show some of that, some of that, all the things that made him celestial amateur should translate to being, being a pro. And there's no reason why, with the team that he has, it all sounds very positive, doesn't it? It's exciting times for him, very exciting, and he's going to be busy from the get go. October start and six fights in the first twelve months. Lou mentioned Golovkin and It Wouldn't surprise me if he has some if he makes his debut on that card. I, I could put like the, put two and two together. They're both earmarked for October, so <laughs> I was just thinking like he'll probably make his debut on that on the card. But yeah, huge exciting times for him.
1: Two big bits of news there from Lou that uh, Serrano's fighting Heather Hardy, and they're both lined up for Katie Taylor. So yeah. two scoops. I'm glad glad we got him in. Yeah. Um, other bits of news, Andy, don't let me forget anything, but the major one overnight was Frampton with one of the most bizarre mm. out of camp injuries I think I've ever seen. But For it, those yeah. who missed it, just an ornament fell on his hand and has ruled I him out think, of his I'm giving
2: it. Now. Like it's, it's crazy. It's like a pillar, it wasn't Like a pillar that wasn't secured to the ground fell from behind the curtain, landed on the table, bounced up and hit his hand could have been a lot worse yeah
1: could have been a lot worse that's like, something that only really occurred to me that yeah, yeah, he could've. might have been slightly lucky when he yeah. hit him in the hand
2: but I'm sure he's disgusted. like he is obviously devastated you can see that in the video that he tweeted but oh, what a freak what a freak accent like you know
1: and he had similar misfortune when his opponent slept in the shower the night before a fight so yeah. it's just uh, some people were like a bit dubious about yeah. that one this one seems a bit this more- one you look
2: at it like there's no way it's not not real like cause it's you could make it up, and you see the damage to the table, the damage to his hand, and also his reaction. Like he's not that. He's not that, if he's that good of an actor. <laughs> he's in the wrong game. But yeah. what a what a shock! Like, and he's disgusted, and
1: he just has to reset everything, doesn't he? You know, what I mean, go back and it's a six-week recovery, but it's a six-month setback in terms of his plans because he probably had a Valdez at a time fight. when he
2: doesn't have a lot of time you know and, look, and eager to look good and he said himself this is my most disciplined i've been in camp 30 grand probably and- in a reaction to you know to, to the loss to warrant and that he's pr- tried to improve yeah well i'm sure he's been for a big settlement now from the from the from the hotel yeah probably make more money than he ever was going to make from the fight <laughs> yeah,
1: nothing else Usually, major to report. Uh, Anthony Federer had a re- reasonably routine win. Yeah, I missed those fights. I was away at the time. Um, but yeah. it was Ritzin against uh, Robbie Davis Jr. Looks good. We
0: That's we a go good fight. old
1: fifty-fifty. Yeah, we go fight. Who would you go for? You have to. F- I always favour the boxer over the puncher, like most people. But my grower for and I might just uh, lean towards him. And then the other big bit of news: Andy, former uh, opponent of yours, Billy Joe Saunders having had a career-long affiliation with Frank Warren has since parted ways. The likelihood is that he's going to match him. That hasn't been confirmed as we're uh, recording now, but that seems to be interesting, worth yeah. going. An interesting one, and you might
2: feel sorry for Frank Warren, like if you ever could feel sorry for him, that he did quite a good job with Billy Joe like and the change to have split pretty amicably, so... Yeah, he, the only reason I would say is that he, if he wants to fight with... Cam Smith, then he has to go to Eddie, to Eddie Hearn. He could also go to, to top rank because there's that kind of connection there. Um, but they don't have the middleweights. So it makes sense if he goes to Eddie Hearn that he can get these big fights and he'll probably get a couple of big paydays. Mm. So we'll see. We'll see. It's interesting times.
1: And with Frampton off the docket, it's going to be a bit of a bit of a breather now for boxing. It's been a hectic 2019 mm. so far.
2: Yeah, and it's been a great year for fights, fights that we've had. I suppose to got to London and well for that fight from the studio, so that's my weekend cancelled
1: as well. (laughs) And we'll be back towards the back end of this month. A couple of good fights to start the new season with Yard against Kovalev, and then the following week Lomachenko against Campbell. So blistering started things as well. Yeah,
2: we'll be Eastern Europeans against the Brits. Who are we backing? Eastern Europeans all the way. (laughs) I
1: think I think Yard has a chance. Yeah, I think Yard has a chance. Like Campbell.
2: Yeah, Yard has a chance. Campbell. Not so much But who knows Who wouldn't I think, he can, he's def- I think he's definitely Going to put up a good show And I think he'd probably Give Lomachenko His best fights yet
1: yeah. So we'll be back around then To look back And preview those fights Pleasure as always Andy Thanks for coming in Thank you Roland And thanks again For tuning in all year And we'll be back For the start of the new season Getting In the state of Mississippi
0: Papa was a copper And the mama was a hippie In Alabama She was a hammer You gotta pay when you pick the panorama She never knew that there was anything